Okay, this is episode 80 of Just Because. That is your water. Of Just Because the Human Experience podcast. You can find it. Puffs. What? That, those are your puffs. Yes. I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Oh, I'll eat it later. Thanks, Puffas. I don't want it. You can follow on Instagram and Twitter at Just Because Pod. Um, for episode 80, I have a super special guest. I'm trying to keep the intro short. Let's see what happens. I was told to write it down or else Serena would yell at me. On October 11th, I interviewed the Arizona Superintendent of Public Instruction, Kathy Hoffman. Um, I really, oh, see, I already said, um, it got destroyed. I really appreciate uh, when, wow, there goes a second, um, when anyone comes on the podcast, especially when they are a public official, because it's important for us to, to stay in the know of what's going on in the community, the work they're trying to do, but also um, to remember they're humans just like us. That is your foot. I'm gonna kiss your foot. Also concerning education, uh, as a teacher, uh, I feel good knowing that I feel good knowing there's someone who's actually been in a classroom that holds the position of Arizona superintendent. I really hope I'm getting this right off the top of my head and memory, but she's the first person in 20 years to have been a teacher that now holds this position, which is strange because you'd think, can you stop, you're panting into the microphone. Who's been in the classroom? Would you think that'd be a qualification to be in the classroom to be Arizona superintendent of public instruction but apparently not I I do feel really good knowing that there's someone who cares about education so much that's in charge and working really hard to to fix it do you want to say anything else where'd the birds go bye-bye okay thank you Michael Lobo here, and I'm with Superintendent Kathy Hoffman. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I'm, I'm super excited. So, uh, what led you to this position well, to I, be superintendent? Yeah, it was, it was pretty unexpected yeah. for me and my, my family to make this big leap. I was working in Arizona's public schools, and that had been my, my passion. I was working as a speech-language pathologist in the Peoria School District at the time. And over the past decade, Arizona has seen more cuts to public education than any other state in the country. And I was working in special education, working at a Title I school where the majority of my students came from low-income backgrounds, spoke different languages at home, and also had disabilities. And so the students I was working with truly needed extra supports and resources to be successful. And I was seeing year after year not just the cuts to our school system, but also many of my colleagues leaving the profession, seeing teachers quitting to do something else or even moving out of state. So we have we've had a lot of people who still wanted to teach, but just not in Arizona. And yeah. it's, and I saw firsthand the effects of that. And um, then 
it was it was one thing to see that and feel frustrated and feel like there's nothing I could do about it but then after the election back in 2016 oh boy I um, then watched the confirmation hearing for Betsy DeVos for secretary of education and and that was the ultimate tipping point for me because to see someone in her role who had never worked in a school who really didn't know the first thing about the education system and the students that I worked with in that position made me realize that we should not have politicians in these positions. We should have people straight from the classroom who understand the implications of these state policies. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started my campaign right. back, back in um, 2017. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that makes sense to me. And I, I have um, a lot of friends who are, who are teachers or who, who work in a district. And it's, it's mind boggling how there are people on the the board or in positions of power who've never been in a classroom and it it just it's just it's confusing to me how that that should make sense right that right. that you have that experience mm-hmm. um how long were you a teacher for um so i had, i started as a preschool teacher and then went <gasps> back <laughs> yeah i left preschool then i went back for my master's degree to become a speech therapist and i did that for five years before assuming this office that's fantastic mm-hmm. um I'm a pre-K teacher. Oh, really? Yeah, so my kids are um, three to five, um, and our school it goes from from infants to to pre-K, um, that's and so that's awesome. Um, did you always want to be a teacher growing up? Growing up, I honestly didn't have a straight career path in mind. I I continued to follow my passions in life. And so when I, I remember being in high school and I thought maybe I'll be a CIA agent because I really love to travel and I love yeah. studying foreign languages. And then when I went to college, I, I majored in Japanese and then later minored in Spanish and mm-hmm. East Asian studies because I just, I love to travel. I love studying languages. And, and then ultimately that ended up being a good pathway for me to become a speech pathologist because I was able to specialize in the area of working with bilingual kids Mm -hmm. and I did research during my master's program to make sure that we don't misdiagnose kids who are bilingual or multilingual Mm -hmm. um, and misplace them into special education when in fact it's just that they speak a different language at home so I was able to combine all my passions into a profession and I knew I loved working with kids I loved being in the school setting and it was a perfect fit for me yeah did um how did your family handle um you uh, becoming into a public position? When I started my campaign, I, I thought it would be a surprise, to, and it, it was a surprise to everyone, but this, but then, for example, my when I first talked to my husband, the first person I shared it with, he, he has told me he really wasn't that surprised. So even mm. though I had never been politically involved, he knew what I'm passionate about, and and he knew me to be the type of person to take a lead and, and to um, take my passions into action. And, and I'm very collaborative, and, uh, and so those types of passions fit well for this. But, uh, but So my family's been very supportive and, and very proud. Yay. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. When you were traveling, um, what are some of the places that have st- just stuck in your memory? So many. Yeah. Um, so both during the campaign and then s- since January, since taking office, I've traveled the state extensively. And 
there's yeah there's been so many moments that have stood out to me and um, and seeing I think people don't realize all the amazing opportunities our kids have in our schools and of course we know a lot, we, there are still ch- many challenges mm-hmm. that we can't ignore but I've been completely blown away by the career and technical education opportunities that many of our high school students have uh, dual language programs um, I've traveled I visited many schools that are on Native American mm. reservation land and and seeing how they're reviving their indigenous languages when they were near extinction has been really ins- inspirational for me to see the the community involvement and um, the celebration of their culture yeah. has been beautiful to see so that's really stood out to me I um, I everywhere I go just seeing our, our teachers dedication and passion for our students is just really inspirational yeah yeah and it's I mean it's it's super important um what are some of the challenges you've you've noticed um and I, I'm sure you you knew some already being a teacher but what are were there any and was there anything surprising um since taking office that um that's happening in our schools yeah one of the issues that doesn't get a lot of attention and I it was something I wasn't really aware of until starting this work was the uh, many of our teachers are having obstacles of finding housing. And so whether it's, sometimes oh. it's a, an issue of affordable housing and sometimes it's there is no housing. So especially yeah. in like more remote areas, they literally don't have houses <laughs> to rent or they don't have apartments to rent oh at all, in, in certain communities. But in some places it's the affordability mm-hmm. of houses. So for example, I was um, visiting up near Prescott at um, Humboldt Unified School District and they said, that sometimes teachers will sign a contract for the school for the upcoming school year, mm-hmm. but then they'll back out say and say that I wasn't able to find housing as a reason to not go oh teach there. Or when I was in um, the Sholo area where there are a lot of vacation homes, that has increased the cost of the housing there, and there's um, there's less rentals available or less apartments available, mm-hmm. and so there too they said that housing is a big concern of um, for for what they can afford to pay their teachers that they can't find mm-hmm. housing. So that's something that I don't think gets a lot of attention. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Um, so I was kind of a, a, a goofball as a kid. Um, what kind of kid were you growing up? I would classify myself as a nerdy kid. Yeah. I w- read a lot of books growing up and was the type of kid that would hide my books under the desk while the teacher was teaching because I would rather be reading my book than listening to yeah. the lesson. And that's definitely a pleaser. I really, I, I always um, got my work in on time and was always trying to give 110%. Um, but I, I was pretty nerdy and pretty academic focused. And then I started swimming when, competitively when I was in third grade and was a very serious competitive swimmer all through middle school and high school and competed in nationals. And so, so in addition to being at, doing my schoolwork, I, before and after school would have swim team and have lots of competitions. So I was still very nerdy, but also athletic and and spent a lot of time with my teammates. Oh, that's awesome. I, I don't know how to swim, so I'm super jealous. Um, I don't know. I don't know why that just never happened. What was, um, have you ever read the books as a grown-up? Because I'll read, like, um, I mean, I love The Giving Tree, but that's, so that's about, like, um, uh, we're going on a bear hunt. 
Uh, it's about this family that hunts, f- like they go off with their toddler and three kids and a dog, and they go off in the forest to find a bear. They find a bear, but as a kid, that that seems fun. But as a grown up, I'm like, that's so irresponsible. What are you guys doing? You guys have a baby. Why are you going through this river? Um, but I was wondering, have you ever reread those those children's books as a grown up? I haven't read too many of or, those books that I read when I was a kid. I, Of course, I have lots of kids' books that I preferred to read to my students that yeah. I've since discovered after becoming an educator. Um, but I haven't. My favorite book when I was in elementary school was Matilda by Roald Dahl. Yeah. And I've read most of Roald Dahl's books. Oh my gosh. What do you miss most about teaching like just, and being in the classroom? The part I miss most, um, since I do. I do do a lot of school visits, so I, I frequently get the opportunity to be in the schools with the kids. But what I really miss, since um, as a speech therapist, I worked across all grade levels. So I worked all the way from kindergarten through eighth grade every day, every <laughs> every year. Yeah. And so I really I had the chance to watch those kids grow and mm-hmm. improve and, and then also get to know the kids really well and get to know their families really well and that's the part I don't have anymore is building those relationships and seeing kids progress from year to year to year and their success and then also I I really loved being a speech therapist and was really loved um, being able to serve those students and so even just yesterday I was talking to someone who has a child with autism who has a lot of communication needs and is going to speech therapy and even in talking to this father was I was starting to think oh have you tried this have you tried that and I I loved to problem solve through those communication obstacles and and find help help people essentially in that way so now I know I'm helping people in a different way now and hopefully Mm -hmm. helping to elevate the role of speech therapists and and to speak to the need to have competitive pay and also um, there is a, a shortage of school-based speech therapists in Arizona yeah so I, I know I'm serving the profession well but I do miss those parts of being in the yeah. school yeah and it, it's it's crazy how how close you can get with these kids and it and it's amazing to watch them just over time and then when they grasp a concept or when they just this light bulb goes off um, inside of them with with teaching and also in your position, I, I mean, I know as I get super frustrated as a teacher. Uh, how do you how do you blow off steam? How do you when you have a frustrating day after work or um, being here? How do you what do you do? I typically still I still like going swimming. Actually, yeah. we need to get you in the pool. And I <laughs> I know it's no maybe it's yeah. too late for me. I'm, it's terrible. I don't think it's ever too late. But I I still like swimming from time to time, just not competitively anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also practice yoga. Yeah. And so those are some good strategies for me. I try to do yoga, and then it's just like two days, and then the third day I go ah I'm all right, and then it it's I, how do you stay committed to, to keeping up with an activity? like that it is hard especially with my current work schedule and I travel Mm. a lot for this job but I I just make a goal of going at least once a week Mm. and to not try to it's hard to do it every day yeah yeah with um when you came in I'm sure you had a bunch of goals right to help Arizona and the education system were there any new goals that kind of popped up along the way as you started noticing this? You talked a little bit about the the teacher housing. Um, were there any other goals? 
so many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we've been working on a lot. Um, I would say so. One of our biggest priorities is addressing the, the issue of all the different openings of the unfilled positions mm-hmm. and making sure we have highly effective teachers in our classrooms and, and other edu- educational professionals as well. Um, so that's been a huge priority. And, and so one way we're addressing that is we just created two new positions in the department. So okay. we will formally have a team working on educator recruitment and retention. So I'm really excited about that. And we're... We're going to make a whole plan around this and have a whole strategy and vision around how we as the Department of Education can support this work. Um, So that's been one of my biggest goals and one of my biggest passions. I've also been able to help look at the data that we have, I think, to also help. So just for example, uh, one question I had was about teacher health care benefits and that was something oh, that also hadn't been yeah. looked at in depth before because every district for the most part has their own health care plan and we know nationally the trend of the rising cost of health insurance and I thought we should take a look to see how much are teachers paying for health insurance because it used to be that it was fully covered by districts but nowadays that's harder and harder to find because it's so expensive for districts. Mm-hmm. And so that was an area that we've been doing research in. And we're planning on putting out a report that that gives a, a statewide view. We were able to survey about 150 school districts out of the roughly 200 in the state. Yeah. And so we're still analyzing that data, but I think it'll be, it just helps to paint a more holistic picture of our, our teachers' um, challenges and when we're talking about teacher pay and benefits just to give us a more holistic picture of how much teachers are actually like how much are they actually bringing home when you're taking out retirement and you're taking out health insurance and then we have teachers who want to support their children sometimes and that costs a lot of extra if you have dependence on your health care plan so I think that's just an area that hasn't we haven't taken a close look at that before yeah um what's a meal that reminds you of your childhood meal yeah Ooh, I we ate a lot of mac and cheese I look back at what I ate when I was young and I'm like oh my gosh mom and dad what were you thinking yeah yeah <laughs> like pork and beans out of the can uh Braunschweiger yeah, which is like a meat spread and now I'm vegetarian yeah I went to McDonald's and Burger King all the time and we get like Big Macs and oh my gosh. now yeah, me too. and I've been vegetarian since I was 16 yeah and so now it's really hard to imagine but that's yeah. what I was eating growing up. <laughs> what what made you become vegetarian at 16? I just realized I had always been kind of picky about me. And okay. it kind of was a realization that that was even an option. That At that point, realizing I don't have to eat meat, that some people don't eat meat and are vegetarian. And kind of realizing that, I decided that that felt right for me. Okay, yeah. I, I've noticed uh, a lot of my friends either becoming vegan or vegetarian or just cutting meat out mm-hmm. more and then like I'll watch documentaries and I go oh my god this is terrible what I'm putting into my body this is so bad um growing up were you close with your parents yeah I'm pretty close yeah mm-hmm. um and were they always supportive with everything you would decide like swimming or I don't know if you did any other clubs growing up but um but yeah they were supportive they were. I think they. it was great 
that they were able to help me have those type of opportunities. So um, like the swim team is a big time commitment for them to be driving me to practices yeah. and swim meets on such a regular basis. So I think they were very dedicated to helping me with that. And then another um, thing I'm thankful for in terms of decisions my parents made was when I was entering kindergarten, they enrolled me in a Japanese immersion program in, oh. in our public schools. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. And so I had half the day in Japanese and half the day in English. And I think that was just such a unique opportunity and has I've had many benefits from that over the years yeah. um, since I can speak Japanese. Yeah. I, that, and I've heard that helps a lot, too, when, when kids grow up um, learning a second or, or third language um, with learning different mm -hmm. things. Um, with you going on a lot of trips, right, traveling around Arizona, what is your go-to snack? Because <laughs> I got to eat when I'm in the car for a really long time. Yeah. Do you have a go-to snack? Probably would be the peanut butter cliff bar. I like peanut butter, and I don't one. really like sweet snacks. Yeah, and it's something that that doesn't go bad in my purse That's if I'm true, traveling yeah. with it. Can <laughs> just yeah, just and never it gets goes bad. super hot here. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, what what long term um, goals? I I don't know how long how long is a it's position a four year office? term. Okay, and then I, I plan to run for reelection. So then it's a two term limit. Okay. So the maximum I could be in office in this role is eight years. Okay, and so the goal is to do the two. Yep. God, you can get a lot done. That's I awesome. Hope so. <laughs> um, so you you have a lot of things to knock out. How yeah. how do you stay? I guess um, motivated. How do you how do you hit the refresh on um, being motivated every day or week and then I mean that's a long time too eight years um how do you plan on doing that to to keep caring because I know as a um with my kids I I think like December hits and I go I can't do this I just I need more coffee to get through the day um but then they'll they'll do something and I, it puts a smile on my face and then I'm super excited again uh what's what's your what's your thing I guess to keep you motivated I think it's similar to what you were saying so yes Lots of coffee yes. to keep me going on a day-to-day -day basis, but then also making sure we take the time to recognize our achievements along the way, because there's always going to be ups and downs in every every day and every job, mm -hmm. and so as long as we take the time to recognize and focus on what we are achieving, and I'm very grateful to have a very supportive team of people that I work with. And so I know I'm not in it by myself, and if, yeah. if I'm feeling frustrated, I can talk to them and, and feel more um, encouraged. But I think I do feel like there's so much work to be done, mm -hmm. And but I'm the type of person that I, I don't get too bogged down by that. I'm, I'm um, able to be methodical and think about, okay, what are, what are the short-term steps we can take to get to these long-term goals? And and then helping to um, coordinate and collaborate with lots of people in the field to also realize like, I'm not doing this on my own. These are the people that can help with particular goals and objectives. And I think through that collaboration, we've been able to achieve a lot. Yeah. Um, it seems like, like you have a very calm, cool head, like level-headed and just how you think about stuff. Do you know where that comes from? Did you observe somebody growing up by how they handled their problems or? I think I have a similar 
personality to my dad. He's, okay. he's very calm. He's a lawyer. So he's also a very, he's very thoughtful and, and also, um, yeah, just a very calm person and someone who also is very social, likes hang, you know, t- like hanging out with friends or likes, um, so as a, as a lawyer, he has built really strong relationships with his clients over the years and does a lot of um, family services. So I, I think I've observed that in him. Yeah. Now that you've just gained all this knowledge, right, and in what you do, looking back um, growing up, have you been able to kind of figure out um, with the, I guess if there were any problems with the schools you went to, uh, just stuff that was that could have been different or could have been better now as an adult looking back? I, I was very lucky in going to great schools growing up, but um, but I will say that that it's been amazing to see what opportunities kids have now that mm. were not available to me back then. So I graduated from high school about 15 years ago. Okay. I mean, and part of it is we just, some of the technology that we have today didn't exist back then. Uh, but I, th- I think... So in Arizona, there's there's a lot of great work being being done in our high schools around mm-hmm. career and technical education programs. So a lot of um, our students are learning career skills and can get different c- certificates that can help them on their pathway into either 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 straight into a career or if they want to pursue um, college education as well. And I I think my my school did not have as much of career development or career exploration growing up so I think that 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 would have been great and so if I could do high school over again that's the piece that I think I'd like to add yeah what what have if if this has even popped up Mm -hmm. um have you noticed anything with smartphones and social media as far as how's that how that's impacting the kid I don't know if that's like a super specific uh thing or if that's even popped oh, up it, it, yeah absolutely is in in lots of different ways so I mean our our kids are using phones the yeah. cell phones a lot younger um it's complete it does change how people communicate with each other mm-hmm. because of course there's a lot more texting now and yeah. rather than calling people compared to when I was younger I I do see that affecting kids communication skills it can be very distracting it can sometimes be sometimes it can create a lot of angst especially with social media that kids worry about what other kids are saying about them or there can be various types of online bullying that's I know um unfortunately happens Mm -hmm. as well so I think we are seeing rising numbers of kids with anxiety and depression and and I don't know I can't we can't say is it a correlation or causation without really digging into that um but I think I do see it changing how um how kids interact with each other yeah it's it's nuts and um so we'll, we'll have show and tell once a week and it's just as the years have gone on it's become like they wanted to bring in their iPad not a not a toy anymore like it's just let's play this game on the screen mm-hmm. and um we have uh, a room with computers right and a mouse mm-hmm. but uh, it's always on the first day when we go in the computer lab all the kids go up to the screen and start tapping it and they're like michael lobo it's not working and i go it's not that look this is a mouse and i gotta <laughs> i gotta walk them through it and um and i've i've heard there's even just to find motor skills is is starting to lack with mm-hmm. some of the oh, like yeah. kindergarten first mm-hmm. grade um kids because of 
because of the the touch screens now, right? They're Anti-contact not contact. Yeah, is affected. Yeah, it's just it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you have siblings? I have a yeah, I have a brother and yeah. two um, stepsisters. Were you close with them? So I yes, I'm close with my very close with my brother, and then my I am close with my stepsisters too, but they are quite a bit younger. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Are you older than your brother? Yes. Yeah. By a little bit, he's about a year and nine months younger than me. Okay. Yeah, that's not. And did you get uh, a lot of the, um, you're the oldest, so you need to be the example uh, for your brother? Because I I got that a lot from my two younger brothers. So then whenever I messed up, it was like double uh, (laughs) because now I made everybody look bad, I guess. Um, Did you ever get that growing up or? Not, I know what you mean. I have seen that in other family dynamics, but I think I I didn't really get in much trouble because I was such a nerd, just focused on my my studies and swimming so much, so I didn't get in too much trouble growing up. My brother, um, he he was a little more rebellious at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you traveled uh, outside of? Can you tell me a, a couple of places you've been to that that were just super awesome? Outside of the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, I I did have quite a few opportunities to travel when I was um, growing up because so partly because of the Japanese program and meeting people who live in Japan. So I've I've been to Japan several times, and I've um, I lived in Germany for a short period, like around six months, and then I I also spent some time living in South America in both Ecuador and Chile. So wow. I, I've always I've been very passionate about traveling and yeah. living abroad and but I did more of that when I was more like in high school college age and then ever since I've moved to Arizona I've actually really loved having the chance to explore Arizona um, and I'm I when I have time I, I do like hiking and camping and backpacking and yeah those type of types of activities and Arizona is perfect for that so yeah over the past decade or so that I've been in Arizona I've actually done a lot of exploration here Mm -hmm. what are some cultural differences between um i guess just like as a snapshot the u.s Mm -hmm. versus somewhere like like chile or germany or japan that that you notice growing up there's there's a lot yeah yeah between each they're all so different i think um yeah it's, it's it's just different in each one and i think that i think the important thing is I, I would love for more people to have those opportunities mm-hmm. to travel abroad to to have a better understanding of how each culture is so different from one another and there's different priorities in each culture as well mm-hmm. and so like in Europe people are very supportive of learning multiple languages and yeah. most people there uh, you know everyone's learning English but often multiple languages so maybe German and French and Spanish and they just add on <laughs> all these yeah. languages Whereas here, I, f- I think some people are supportive of that, but then there's still, especially in Arizona, there's been a history of not supporting dual language. Yeah. Where here we have the English-only law, and that's finally starting to be rolled back and less restrictive, but we still have a long way to go. And there's after roughly two decades of this policy, a lot of harm has been done yeah. where, we're, where we've been limiting kids' ability to, to really flourish as a bilingual or multilingual individual. So that's, I would say that is a big cultural difference. Yeah. Um, my, my wife would tell me about, um, 
her her grandma and I think I think maybe her mom too um, how they were told not to speak Spanish in schools and that just that just boggles my mind like if that's if that's what they speak mm-hmm. um, and then there was that whole and I I don't know if I'm getting this wrong but like the ban on um, cult, ethnic studies cultural studies in I think in Tucson, Tucson. yeah mm-hmm. um, what's happening is that still going on no oh thank goodness yeah oh gosh <laughs> but it was very traumatizing for yeah. the tucson community and so that was the ban on the mexican-american studies mm-hmm. program and fortunately a judge ruled that that was discriminatory mm-hmm. and so they had to repeal that which was very po- very positive for that culture to for the courts to say this that this is racist and discriminatory and but there's I've, I know they've been trying to they've been working to bring back some of those types of classes and coursework but I think that it was very traumatizing for yeah. them and it's been hard for some teachers still feel scared to teach those subjects because because um, when you've had all of when you when you have a successful program, but then the government comes in and says we're you have to get rid of all these books and get rid of all these classes and and threatening uh, legal action for teaching that type of coursework, then mm-hmm. then teachers feel more anxious about what can they teach and and what what's the government going to do next because it just causes more unpredictability. Yeah, yeah. And what's what's something for for people in the community who who may not um, who may not be teachers or work in a district, uh, what's something they can do um, to help out the the school down the street? Um, because I I have a lot of friends and I live in a a low socioeconomic status neighborhood and the school down the street and um, people who work in in uh, just schools where the neighborhoods are just not great um what's what's something they could do um that would be encouraging and it's not just well let's just accept that it's kind of trash or it's just they need a lot of help like what's what's something we can do i would encourage community members to go ask the school what they can what they need because it could it just it can depend so much from school to school but in some schools volunteers will go maybe a couple maybe once a week or a couple times to mm. read, even just reading with kids to, to help give. Because, you know, when the teacher has upwards of 30, oh 35 kids in their classroom, sometimes the kids don't <laughs> yeah. get that one-on-one time. So that can be so helpful to even just have a volunteer come in to re- even just read one-on-one with kids or get um, just help the teacher in that way. Or um, some schools are... I've seen where volunteers come in and help with gardens and have school, like a school oh, garden neat. or um, help plant different herbs and vegetables in the, in the schoolyard. So then the kids can learn about how plants grow. And they, um, I think that's a really creative way to support the school. And I've also seen where um, community members go in and volunteer in the school library or, or just help around, help out however they can yeah so I think there are those types of opportunities and it just I think it would be really helpful for community members to go ask okay yeah I like that um so usually uh I have more random questions um what do you hope never changes so you could interpret that however you'd like you could do it personally professionally whatever 
that's a that's a tricky question. Um, yeah. But, uh, let's see. Um, never changes. I think it's, like, maybe why it's so hard to answer is because I think I think we should always be improving. Yeah. yeah. Always improving. Like there's we should never get statics. So maybe that's what I would never change is that we should always keep evolving yeah. and developing and and being innovative. Mm-hmm. I think that. that's that that should never change what's the if i can Mm -hmm. if it's not personal Mm -hmm. what's the biggest you've changed personally in Mm -hmm. say like five years we'll do little box well i think just coming into this role is how i've changed the most so um before running for office i I was even more casual, like never liked to wear makeup, never mm. wore heels and just just much more. I mean, I'm, you know, dress professional enough for work, but didn't go above and beyond that, especially working in an elementary school. Didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't need to. And but then um, as I started running for office, realized the you know, if I want to be leading our public schools, that I, I need to look the job. Mm-hmm. And so that was a shift for me and I know since then I know my public speaking skills have greatly improved because I give a lot of speeches and and I give a lot of I have a lot of public speaking events and so I've built a lot of confidence in being a, a public speaker um, so I think that I've made a lot of growth professionally just in the last two yeah. years that's awesome mm-hmm. um, would you rather um be able to only use a fork for the rest of your life or only a spoon? I would choose a spoon. Yeah? <laughs> yes. I think that would, yeah. <laughs> I, I picked fork at first and then I thought, oh, I can't eat soup. Yeah. I can't eat a lot of stuff. Ice cream would just go through. Exactly. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah spoon, spoon all the way. <laughs> um, when do you truly feel um, alive? I think when when we have that moment of realizing we've accomplished a goal mm-hmm. or I've accomplished a goal and and to especially when I feel that we've pushed through a barrier and really stepped outside the box of what's expected and achieved something that was unexpected so even even winning I so I had two elections because I had the primary election and the general election okay. and and so even that's like one example of where it's just so it it was it was crazy. It was just yeah. out, out of this world crazy to to have those successes and it's those types of moments where you just feel totally alive. Yeah. Uh, what's a, what's an achievement you've had um, so far being in office? And then how do you, um, I, I guess, celebrate that? How do you, what's your jump? Do you scream like <laughs> what? Uh, so one, one achievement I'm really proud of is We've been establishing strong partnerships with other state agencies. Okay. So I think it's really important that as the Department of Education that we also work with, we've been working with the Department of Health Services as well as Department of Economic Security and and some others, um, other state agencies. And I think that that's really important, but it, it hasn't traditionally been the case that mm-hmm. that was there so that's something we've been building and and so I'm really proud of some of those achievements working with our with our partners so for example one of these partnerships is with the Department of Economic Security and we 
have been working with them to target right now we're only targeting one school district but our plan okay. is to expand this and and so we um, so the Department of Economic Security helps people with job training and job mm. placement and I went to them and said would you be willing to partner with school districts to help fill some of these vacancies that we have? We have some extreme vacancies and they were, they happily agreed to that. And, um, so I, when I got this news actually yesterday, I was practically jumping out of my seat. It was just buzzing with excitement that between August and now in October, just over the last couple of months, they were able to help this school district hire 34 new people. Dang, and that's huge. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. these districts have so many vacancies, and so it's a win-win. Like, the DES is able to help the people they serve find jobs and get them into a good career path, mm-hmm. and our schools find great new people to yeah. be in our schools. So that was, like that. A, that was a huge win. Yeah. Um, what is something uh, you regret paying for? Like p- buying? Yeah. Ooh, like things like I bought the Nook, which was the the uh, Barnes and Noble tablet thing for oh, reading, yeah. and I maybe used it once because yeah, I still prefer same. paper books. And I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I I have um, is it the Kindle? Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, yeah. And I from Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And so I downloaded a bunch of books, comic books, and. It's sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like feeling the book. I, I love that. Turning the page and just the weight of it. I, don't, I can't do that. Yeah, it's yeah, that's and I When I read books, it's it's like a break from screen time for me. Exactly, Because we're yeah. on the computer and on the phone so much already all the time, it feels mm-hmm. like. And so to me, it, it's just very relaxing for my brain to not be looking at a screen. And right. so I just can't do that. Yeah. Um, if you could put wings on an animal which animal would you choose uh i guess dogs that would be so fun <laughs> yeah i think that'd be too much fun <laughs> uh, do you have pets i don't i don't you have don't. time <laughs> yeah no that's very true uh i i have three dogs and that would be ridiculous if yeah, they could the also fly yeah <laughs> They would just be gone. Yeah, and they then fly they would, down the... Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how you'd make sure they come back. I... There wouldn't... Yeah, it'd be... I think, it'd they, might, be, I think be, they might love you, so... Maybe I hope so. Back. I've been feeding them, and, uh, yeah. I'm sure no. they would come back. Yeah. Um, what TV series are you currently into? I have a few favorites. Um, I do, like, Madam Secretary, which is funny because it's almost... It, there's similarities to my, my life, so yeah. it's... it's it's like it's very relatable to see the, it's a fiction fictional show but about a woman who become who becomes secretary of state but also doesn't have a political background and and so it's funny watching that because i see some similarities between my life and her life um but i also love queer eye that's yes, one of my yeah. go-tos um and been watching the good place yeah and what was the um the last movie that that's kind of stuck with you mm. uh, I haven't watched as many movies recently um, what, I watched the what's what's the one the guy who has the big sunglasses and he's a musician Rocket uh, Man yes yes saw, oh my god I want I to see that Rocket yeah Man. Yes. cool mm-hmm. and that that's it <laughs> yeah thank you so much um, yeah. for your time and, and I really appreciate it um, you taking the time and 
because um, I, I think it's great that people will hear um, straight from you and yeah. straight just talking. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate That's it. Thank it. you. Yeah, no problem.